Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 46 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray, God, reveal your word to us. In Psalms 119, verse 9, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. You see, my friend, even in the Old Testament, David understood that sanctification came by the word of God. And then Jesus reiterates this in the New Testament over and over when he tells us that it is by the word of God that we are sanctified. Even praying to God and saying that he obeys the words of scripture that we might see and do as he does and be sanctified also. The Bible says that we are washed by water, by the word of God. Because though we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified by the words of Jesus Christ because he is the word made flesh. Therefore, are they one in the same, two sides of the same sword? We've talked about it before, how there is both logos and rhema, the written word of God being logos and the spoken present tense word of God, the word of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ speaking directly to you. That is the rhema word of God, but they are two sides of the same sword. In that the Logos, the written word, is our discernment because when we read it, we are pierced to our heart and we discern that we are in error or in sin. Therefore, does the letter bring death, showing us what needs to die? But by the spirit of the living God, are we brought back to newness of life by the spirit and the word that the Holy Spirit speaks to us? directing us and correcting us and showing us daily what needs to be cut away that we might be sanctified by the word, both Logos and Rhema. But today I want to focus mostly on Logos, which is the written word of God, because my friend, if you do not know the Logos, you cannot use the Rhema. Because you will not know of what voice you are hearing unless you can clearly discern that it matches the character and words that are in the Logos. But likewise also will you never really be able to understand the Logos without the Rhema interpreting it to you. So today as we pray for the Lord to reveal the things that he is trying to say in his written word, we must also ask for the Holy Spirit to come with his rhema to bring that revelatory information to us and to others through us. In that same chapter in verse 103, it says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. David was telling us that the more we study the word of God, the more we will understand the will of God and we will begin to be able to discern every false way and we will begin to disdain it. 
Therefore, will we learn to love what God loves and hate what he hates? It continues to say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word, except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth. O Lord, teach me thy judgments. David was saying, God, this is a free will offering. I am freely of my own will asking you to come and teach me because the Lord is a gentleman. He he will not force anything on anyone, but he is so willing to come and instruct each and every one of us. He is willing to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to correct us, and to direct us into the greater things of God. But we have to freely of our own will ask him to do so. If you ask, I will give of you these rivers of living water that you never have to be dry and thirsty again. It's your choice. It's your will. You've got to ask for it. In other words, we've got to willingly choose to lay down our will so that he can impart his. We know that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It also says in another passage that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction. And of course, we recognize that wisdom is knowledge applied because many people have knowledge, but they do not have wisdom. Therefore, to be able to apply the knowledge that is given unto us in the word of God, we must first humble ourselves and fear God enough to recognize that we need it and then seek him so that he would bring a revelation of it to us. Because the word of God also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction. Therefore, we need to recognize that we need him to instruct us. The Bible talks about a king, I believe it was Rehoboam, that the scripture specifically says he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. My friend, I tell you again with all assurity that if you trust in your own logic and ability, you will sin. This king was not intentionally doing anything wrong, but because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord, he moved under his own leading, his own righteousness, and he did evil. If we trust in ourselves and do not fear the consequences thereof, we will do what is evil because we will not seek the Lord. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction and wisdom. The only way we can do what is wise is to do what is right. And the only way to do what is right is to seek instruction. And the only way to seek instruction is to fear failure and know that the only way not to fail is to get that instruction from the Lord. Therefore, do we seek his face in prayer and in the word? Because the Bible says that every word of the scripture was given for doctrine and it is good for reproof, for reproach, and for instruction. Therefore, can no man walk in righteousness until that they have first looked at the word of God, the instruction manual, to see what he says is right. But we have a conundrum because most people, if they just open the Bible, they cannot understand what they are reading because it is a living word and it must be revealed to us by the revelatory power of the Holy Spirit. We see in John 16 verse 12 that Jesus told his disciples, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, 
for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore saith I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you you and then in chapter 14 26 of that same book we read but the comforter which is the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever i have said unto you so we understand that to truly comprehend the things that are in the word of God, we need it to be interpreted to us by the spirit of God. So as we pray today, God reveal to us your word, the truth, the manna, the deep revelation that is in your word. We've got to humble ourselves to the reality that we need your Holy Spirit to do it. So right now we pray God for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you come and reveal your word to us. And I pray that you put it in the people's heart that each and every day they would set aside some time to sit with you, to open up the word of God and begin to worship the God of the word and then to speak to you directly and say, God, what do you want to teach me today? I've done this for many years and you have brought such deep, profound revelation and understanding of your word, not because I sought any men or any denomination or any colleges or any accreditations, but I have sought you the author, the only true authority on the book itself. Oh God, come and reveal to us your word. And my friend, I pray that you pray that every day or every time that you sit to read the word, that you seek the Holy Spirit of the living God and ask him to come and sit with you and teach you and direct you and correct you and show you what the word is truly saying. The Bible will always interpret the Bible and the Holy Spirit will show you how, when, where, and why. It says in the book of Revelations that to them who have overcome, there is given a stone and their name written in the stone and to them it is afforded to receive of the hidden manna. God is willing to reveal to you the hidden manna of the word of God. He is willing to reveal to the least of us what he has concealed from the greatest in the world. And my friend, again, I tell you that you need no formal education. You just need some time in the wilderness with the author so that when you come out of that wilderness in the power of the spirit, you can stand and teach with authority from the authority, the author of the book. This is why when Jesus stood in the synagogue, it says that they were amazed of his doctrine, knowing that he had not learned, yet he preached with such authority. There was an anointing in the words that were coming forth from this man, because it was not something that could be learned in a college. It was not something that could be imparted by a teacher or a preacher. It was not something that could be mimicked. This was something from heaven itself. This was something different. My friend, the gospel has lost none of its power. We've just got to dig in and take the time to be taught by the very spirit of power. That when the hour of our revealing comes, he will pour it out with authority, with revelation, with yoke-breaking anointing, and inspire a generation as the king of glory rushes in to endorse his word. 
My friend, I want to take you through a quick story in the Old Testament because the Bible says in the New Testament that the Old Testament was given for our example upon whom the ends of the world have come. Therefore, do we need to know the Old Testament for us to ever have any true understanding of the New Testament? And I have to give you the story of something that happened in the Old Testament because it's something that God wants to do again in our day. You see, there was a time period where the Israelites had strayed from God for many generations. They had gone into captivity. They had been enslaved by the enemy. They had lost sight of the true word of God. They didn't truly know the Bible, though they still claimed his name. They still claimed him as God. They no longer had his word in their heart like David did. David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I know your word, therefore I obey your word. I come into agreement with it and I am in right standing. This people did not truly even know the word because that their ministers had not really had access or ability to preach it to them. Therefore, they had gone many generations hearing false doctrine, hearing assumptions, hearing partial truths, claiming his name, but not walking in alignment to the word. And the time had come that God had had mercy on them and set the stage for everything to change. Originally, the two books of our modern Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah, were part of the same scroll because they took place at the same time. This was a time when God had moved upon the heart of the king of Persia under which the Israelites who were captive at the time to allow them to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls and the temple. Nehemiah was commissioned to rebuild the walls and the temple, the physical structure of the kingdom. But Ezra was commissioned to rebuild the spiritual walls of the kingdom. And why did God choose Ezra for this task of rebuilding the spiritual walls of a people who did not know the word of God? We get it in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to seek the word of God and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. Ezra had determined in his heart that he was going to learn the truth of God's word. So he stopped listening to what everybody was saying. He gave up his Facebook meme Christianity that just repeats things that it saw on TV but were never actually written in the word of God. He shut himself in. He sat down with the word, with the scrolls, with the Bible. And he began to read and seek the Lord. And the Lord began to show him and reveal. And not only did he read it, but it says that he did it. He walked it out. He lived it. And then he preached it. He went out and began to teach it to all the others. I got to give you this story because it's such an amazing story that happened thousands of years ago. But my friend, I'm telling you, God is ready to do it again. And he's going to do it the same way. Because my friend, you see, because that Ezra had learned the word, and set himself to live it, to be it, and to preach it. God chose him and positioned him in a place that he would then begin to reveal it to this nation and this generation who had never had an opportunity to truly see the degradation that they were living in and how far they had strayed from the truth of the word of their Lord. In the next chapter, in chapter 8, starting in verse 2, we read, 
And I want you to visualize this as we read it because we see a lot of this Old Testament imagery and we see the temples and the tabernacles and the sacrifices and how God only moved when they did all of these rituals. But my friend, I want you to see what happened right here because it's going to happen again. It says, and Ezra, the priest brought the law before the congregation. And when it says law here, it means the Bible, the words of God. At that time, it was written on scrolls and they called it the law. And so it says that Ezra was the priest and he brought the word of God before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear and understand. Upon the first day of the seventh month, and he read therein before the streets that were before the water gate. From the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the word of God. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. Now, my friend, this is not typical Old Testament imagery of temples laden with gold that the people could not enter into. This is a modern day revival. They come back into Jerusalem. The city is destroyed and torn down. They have been under the oppression of the enemy in a foreign land for many generations. They come in. The scribe reads the word of God. They build him a wooden pulpit. He stands before the people. There's a congregation. Are you seeing what I'm see in here. He stood in his wooden pulpit, which they had made for this purpose. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen and amen, and lifted up their hands and bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Picture this, the congregation of Israel, multitudes of people, and this man, Ezra, a preacher of the word of God, stands before them in a wooden pulpit. And all of the congregation, both men and women, stand there with their hands raised to heaven and their heads bow. And he blesses the Lord and welcomes him in. And they all shout, Amen and Amen. This, my friend, is revival in any time or generation. This is amazing. It continues in verse 8 to say, So they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Understand that Ezra is standing in a wooden pulpit before all the congregation and he is preaching. They're not reciting ritual here. He is reading the word of God and he is explaining it to them. He is preaching. This is revival. And Nehemiah, which is the Tishbite and Ezra, the priest, the scribe and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. This is the power of the gospel. This is what the word of God can do. True revival has to be birthed from the word of God. From laying out the truth of God's word to the people that they might see their error. That they are not in agreement or alignment in it. That their hearts might be pierced and broken through conviction. That they might cry out in repentance. Ezra and Nehemiah said, 
This is a good day because the people are repenting. And day after day after day, they came and they read the word of God and showed the people areas where they were not in alignment or agreement with it. And when they heard it, they were pierced to their heart with conviction and they repented. This is real revival. This, my friend, is what the Lord has been doing even through this 120 days of prayer that every day we seek the Lord for what he wants to show us. We lay it out in the word of God and then we pray a prayer of agreement with what he has spoken, not with what we think, not with what we feel, not with what we've heard, but what the word says. In verse 18, it says also day by day from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And at the end of it, they called a solemn assembly. My friend, I did not even plan this, but in reading this, I see a parallel to what the Lord has been doing. That from the beginning of this prayer mandate, we have read the word of God day after day. And we have wept before him and repented of our errors and cried out in agreement with him. And at the end of it, we will gather together in a solemn assembly. So what happened at the end at the time of this solemn assembly in chapter nine, verse one, it says that the children of God assembled themselves with fasting and with sackcloth and with earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their father. They came together at the end after having this time day after day of being read the word of God and seeing all the error and all the ways that they had strayed. At the end, they came together with fasting and weeping and mourning and they called a solemn assembly and they prayed together and Ezra stood on that stage and he prayed. He led them in a prayer of repentance and everything was shaken. In that moment, everything changed. And I want to show you, my friend, what it looks like when this happens. Because it's demonstrated in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11. It says, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified. How are we sanctified? What is our sanctification agreement with the word of God? Not just in thought, but in action. Remember that Ezra had to read the words of God to the people that they might come into agreement with it and then repent of their error to it for them to be considered sanctified. Jesus said that by your words, they are sanctified. But when all the priests present were sanctified and did not wait by course with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linens, the white linen representing righteousness, which means being in right standing with God or being in alignment with his word. Having cymbals and psalteries and harps stood at the east end of the altar and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding the trumpets. And it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and, and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. My friend, when you are sanctified by the word of God, because that you have come 
into agreement with the word of God. And you have laid that word out for the people that they might see the error of their ways and repent and walk into alignment therein. And you know that all of those in leadership or in alignment with the will and word of God and that prayer of repentance is brought forth forth and the people are there in agreement with it and they in one voice in unity of the spirit in agreement with the word of God led by the Holy Spirit lift up a shout of praise unto their king the king of glory enters in because my friend we've read it before and I'll tell you again that when the people are in right standing with God then God can walk with them because can two walk together except they agree and God has ever since the garden of Eden desired to walk with his people again but he cannot walk with them until they agree with him. So my friend, the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God to bring revival by bringing in the reviver is that we've got to lay out the truth. We've got to be the truth. We've got to believe the truth. We've got to preach the truth. And then everybody has to repent and come into alignment with the truth. And the king of glory will come in and do what only he can do. Talk about a modern day revival. My friend, there's no secret to it. It's not a new thing to discover. It's an old thing to be recovered. This is how it's done. The gospel has lost none of its power. In John 17, 17, Jesus himself prayed to the Father on our behalf and he asked God, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we just read that all of this happened because that all of the priests present we're sanctified. How are we sanctified? By agreement with his truth, his word. This is how you do it. No manner of preparation or presentation will do it. This is how you do it. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sake I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus came to walk out the truth, to be a demonstration of the truth of the word of God, that we might believe it and walk therein also and be sanctified by it. Neither pray I for these only, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. My friend, that's us. Jesus is saying this applies to us. And why did he do all of this? He says that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou has sent me. How do we become one? How do we become one blood? How do we become one with Christ, having the blood of Jesus Christ, one family united in the body of God, led by the spirit of the living God? How do we become one? We come into agreement with the one who is and was and is to come. We allow ourselves to be sanctified by agreement with his word. And the people cannot agree with it if the preacher won't preach it. The gospel has lost none of its power. It is stored up and ready for this very hour. He's just waiting for a people bold enough to believe it, be it, and preach it. And he will walk in the room and demonstrate it. This is what we're doing. And he has called you for such a time as this because there's a time and a place for you to do it too. Because it's time for the truth to spread like fire. Because real revival is not a weekend thing. It's an outpouring. 
of revelation that changes everything. My friend, I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the full, unaltered, unfiltered, unadulterated, uncompromised gospel of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelations. I consume it all. I believe it all. And I will live according to that word because I am determined to see his glory invade this earth. Romans 1:15 says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Do you have faith in the word of God? Because I think that the reason we see so little power or grace is because that we have faith in everything but. So today, God, we pray for faith in your word. God, I pray that by the sword of the word of God, you pierce into the heart of the people and cause this to be planted deep, to get the vision and the revelation, to see what it takes to see salvation brought to a nation to see a generation revived and brought back into the fullness of the truth of the gospel of God that brings us into newness of life. It will bring lasting change. We will see cities transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God once we have had faith in your word, presented it, and seen you move to demonstrate it. God, the people need faith again. They need faith in your word so they will read it, believe it, live it, be it, and preach it, and that will change everything. The gospel works. We've just got to believe it and stop looking for some other way. The blood of Jesus has lost none of its power. The Holy Spirit has not run away, but the problem is, is that he cannot endorse what he did not say. So he's waiting for a people who will believe in the word of God, preach the word of God, pray that prayer of repentance and alignment back with it. And then the King of glory will enter in and heal our land again. He can move. He can do what no man can do. And he has chosen this time and this hour to prove his power. But we've got to be willing to get in alignment with with destiny, to get in alignment with God, to get in alignment with power, to get in alignment with authority, to get into alignment with the authority, to get in alignment with the author, by getting in alignment with the word. Lord, pierce our hearts by what we've heard. That if you can do it in the Old Testament, you can do it right now in these last days when it is so desperate and we need it so much. God, I pray that you not allow any work of the enemy to confuse or to confound or to prevent that which you have set in motion. That you will not allow distractions or commotion to come up and to stir the waters in a way that you have not ordained. I stand in the authority of Christ and I cancel every vain imagination that seeks to exalt itself above the glory of God. Because you have given your way and your word and you will be manifested in the earth. We've got to choose if we're willing to be used to be part of it. Because the only way we will is to seek your faith and humble to your will.
and your will is to read the word and believe the word and be the word and preach the word and pray. God, the people have strayed and many of them, it's not their faults. It's just like in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah that there's been a generation that has been so far removed from the truth that they don't even know that they don't know you. But until the word was read to them and they saw how much they were not in alignment or agreement with it, did they not have the opportunity to truly receive it? Let no man's ambition hinder your mission, but raise up those who will walk in humble submission and allow you to position that which you have commissioned. It will be me because I will bend the knee. My friend, will it be you? Because he can do it on a stage, in a stadium, on the street, or in a pew. He can do it through you. If you'll do what Ezra did. Set your heart to read the word and to live it and to preach it. And you will see his glory invade the earth. There are so many looking for a formula for revival. And there it is. In his word. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, Be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.